Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I will be trying to speak louder because uh, the battery in my mic went out at the beginning of service, so sorry. I'm not mad (laughs) if I sound like I'm shouting. But it had been six days since that awkward moment. Yet the moment still lingered heavy in Peter's mind. Peter remembered very vividly when Jesus called him Satan. The exact words that Jesus said to Peter were this, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Those words stung, yet deep down, Peter knew that they were true. He did not yet understand what they meant, but he knew that they were true. Now, six days later, Peter is with Jesus. The scriptures read, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, brother, And he led them up on the mountain by themselves. Peter was still in the inner circle. And he knew that Jesus still planned on using him. Yet there was still those stinging words. Peter remembered Jesus saying, Get behind me, Satan. How did did Peter and Jesus' Um, conversation, how did it get to this point? It all started on a walk to Caesarea Philippi. As they entered into the district, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus was asking the disciples, in other words, what's the word on the street? What are you hearing? What are they saying about me? The disciples thought out loud, saying, Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or any of the other prophets. What the disciples didn't realize is what they were saying or what all the people were saying is that Jesus was just another man, a good man, a great man, but just a man. At this time, I'm not sure if the disciples really saw a conflict with what the people were saying and what Jesus was really saying. But to clarify the difference, Jesus asked the disciples, but who do you say that I am? In other words, have I been teaching you that I'm a great prophet? Have the things that you've seen me seen me say and do up close and personal? Do they point to the fact that I am just another prophet? Have you, what have you learned by spending time with me? And Peter, always eager to please, said, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this was the correct answer. 
Even though, as we will soon see, Peter had no idea what the answer really meant. And Jesus responded to this confession. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, they shall not prevail against it. Jesus was saying that the church would be built on the confession that, Jesus, that Peter just made. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now as we said before, Peter got the confession right, but he definitely didn't understand the truth about Christ's work. He knew who the Christ was. He knew who he was, just as the devil does. But he didn't understand or trust in the Christ's work. For a little later, Jesus started sharing the work of the Christ in this way. It says, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. What? Peter couldn't believe his ears. He thought, didn't my confession just affirm that Jesus is the Christ? The Christ isn't supposed to suffer. The Christ isn't supposed to die. I've got to talk to Jesus. And Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You know, if Peter was speaking from a place of faith and trust that truly believes that Jesus is the Son of God, he would have never rebuked him. Peter did not trust God's plan. How could he? There was suffering involved. Peter thought that knowing God was a road to glory, not a road to a cross. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought that, that following Jesus is a road to glory? Have you ever thought that if I follow God closely, then things will go well for me? I will be blessed. And you count your blessings by success in this world. Or when you've been bad. Have you ever thought, now there's going to be terrible things that happen to me. Because I have disobeyed the Lord. Peter and us often fail to understand Romans 5. Let me read this to you. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. 
It's ours. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because we've been justified through faith. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith in this grace in which we stand. Justified by faith, we have peace and we stand in grace. And we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. More than that, we rejoice, and here it is, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured Baptismal reference. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. These verses tell us a lot, but they tell us two main things. There is future glory in heaven for all who believe in Jesus. And two, knowing God in Jesus is to have to endure some suffering here. Now, don't get me wrong. There are good times on earth. But we would be lying to ourselves if we said that there was no suffering. In fact, anything that promises a life without suffering is often a temptation from the devil. That's why Jesus called Peter the devil. He wanted glory for Jesus without suffering. And isn't it funny that all of the things that promise to take away our suffering in this world, or many of the things that promise to take away suffering in this world, usually leave us with more problems and more suffering. Drinking, to escape, in the end, leaves us with a hangover and addiction, and it can ruin a person's life. Taking drugs to escape, in the end, it separates you from the ones you love, and it leaves you feeling more alone than ever. The pursuit of money, in order to answer all of your problems, leads to backbiting, stealing, and envy. Uh, I think it was Biggie that said, or Snoop Dogg or somebody, mo' money, mo' problems. And it's true. All of the things that promise the easy road, they lead us down a much harder road. It's quite ironic. And many of the things that promise us life These things, they promise us life and do not deliver. And you know what? We still love them. I love them. I run after them all the time. And I know that you do too. Meanwhile, God lets us know that things will not be easy right up front. 
and we get mad at him for saying it. Why must you let me suffer in this way? Why can't I have glory without the cross? That's what Peter wanted. He wanted glory without the pain. And isn't that what the world promises us? Yes, that is what the world promises, but it can't deliver. Nothing can take away the pain and give us eternal peace and glory except for the suffering of Jesus' cross. And that's why Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. None of us can have what Peter wanted. We need to submit to God the Father as Jesus did. And Jesus did this by agreeing to go to the cross to die for our sins. And we do this by admitting to God that we are sinners. And we desire for Jesus to take that out. Now, confession is not easy. It's not. It's admitting I have a problem. It's admitting that I need help. And that's the hardest thing to do, oftentimes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we submit and turn to a reality that brings us great suffering, but even greater joy. We have sinned and have pained, and we have pain, yet we are loved so deeply that God has given us Jesus to die for our sins. To know the depth of God's love is really to know the depth of our sin. For the more honest we are about the reality of our sin, the more we recognize just how deep our need for a Savior is. Switching gears. With this lesson yet not fully understood, Peter following himself, found himself following Jesus up a mountain. He was about to see what we celebrate today, the transfiguration of Jesus. He was about to see the glory of Jesus shining in the darkness. The Bible says that Jesus was transfigured before them And his face, it shone like the sun, and his clothes were as white as the light. Now this is what Peter wanted. He wanted glory, and here it was. Not only that, but here with Moses and Jesus and Elijah, Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the the prophets, together representing the testimony of Scripture. Peter was loving every moment of it. And he said, Lord, it is good that we are here. It's like, see, Jesus, this is what I was talking about. It's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. What he meant was three places of worship. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
He wanted to set up three churches. He wanted to live in this glory. But his prayer went unanswered. For he was still speaking when behold a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I have well pleased. Listen to him. And that could resonate with Peter, who was not listening to him. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their face and they were terrified. But Jesus, the living, breathing gospel, came and touched them, saying, Rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw nobody but Jesus. Peter had no right to rebuking Jesus. He knew this now. And that voice from heaven, it cut right to the heart of Peter. He knew that he hadn't submitted to God. He was trying to get Jesus, trying to get God to submit to him. The scared, this scared Peter half to death. And at first, when Peter saw Jesus transfigured, he thought that Jesus was listening to him and taking the road of glory. But that is not what happened. This mountaintop experience was to show the disciples that God the Son himself was the one who is going to suffer for them. God himself would be the one who would suffer for the sake of their future glory. God himself would suffer the death that they deserved so that they would know life through him. And Jesus led the disciples down that mountain of glory. More than that, he would lead them to another mountain, the mountain of Calvary. That is where Peter and us would know the real glory of Jesus, his love. We know Jesus not in a spectacle of glory, but rather in the suffering of his cross. We know him not from walking on water, but rather the simple quiet water in the baptismal font. We know him not in fancy expensive dinners or fine dining, but we know him intimately in simple bread and wine in the Lord's Supper. We know him not from a voice on the mountain. But as Peter said, from the testimony of his word. We know Jesus and his forgiveness from the suffering of Mount Calvary. Not the glory of the Mount of Transfiguration. And then, as forgiven children, knowing the greatness of the one who died for us. We desire that God would use our suffering for the good of others. 
we now understand the lesson that Peter had to learn. True glory comes not from lifting ourselves up, but from laying ourselves down for the sake of our neighbor. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.